And then, uh, so, so it's Groundhog Day, but then there's a little something going on, a celebration of sport down in Miami. Those of you that are into it, tell me, help me with it. What is it? The Super, the super. clearly your team didn't get in or you are, you can't be more disinterested, right? I mean, how many of you are, are more excited about the commercials than you are about the game? Come on over to our house. You can, you can join our crew. The same thing. All right? But you know what else? In addition to being um, Groundhog Day and in addition to this being Super Bowl Sunday, this is a palindromic day. Did you know that? That today's date reads the same forward and backward. That Mar- uh, February the 2nd, 2020, 0202-2020, um, it's not going to be this for another thousand years. Anybody planning to be around for that? That'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. But, but I do think if I was around at that time, maybe my Cincinnati Bengals would finally make it to the Super Bowl. Oh, my goodness. So we've just spent the last month talking about prayer and trying to learn about prayer and trying to practice prayer. How many of you found it a a beneficial month of praying and learning about prayer and leaning into God? Anybody? Yeah, there's all three of you, okay? I'm so glad, so glad. Bottom line is we've just had this amazing time of 21 days of prayer where we've seen God move in our midst and we've actually seen the miraculous occur. We've been preaching about it. We've been having small group emphasis about it, and uh, I just wonder how many times we don't have because we really don't ask. It really boggles my mind. And then I wonder how many prayers have been prayed and, and deals have been made regarding just over the weekend the outcome of Punk Satani Phil or the Super Bowl. Lord, I will go to Bible study for seven days a week if you'll just give us an early spring. <laughs> or, or maybe it's, God, I'll be in church every Sunday this year if you just let the Chiefs win. Or, God, if the 49ers win, I'll raise my tithe by the amount of the final margin of victory, all right? But, but we understand that God isn't a celestial vending machine, is he? And he's not the price line negotiator, <laughs> right? It's not that we can go to God and try to work out a better deal. When we pray, we are to pray that His will be done and that, that His kingdom gets set loose in this, this world of ours. And if we really have, have learned anything, I hope we've learned that God doesn't exist to serve us and do what we want. We exist to serve Him and do what He wants. Jesus was very clear about this point in Matthew chapter 16, 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. You see, a key aspect, and oftentimes a forgotten one, is that to follow Jesus, we must deny ourselves and make Him our primary focus. We have got to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and everything else gets taken care of after that. See, if we want to be a disciple of Jesus, it really truly is less about us and what we want and more about him and what he wants. See, God-centeredness rather than self-centeredness is the mark of true discipleship of Jesus. So we need to become more focused on on becoming more selfless in order that we can become more faithful. Did you catch that? We've got to be more focused on being selfless 
so that we can become more faithful. And over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about becoming selfless servants of Jesus. And we're going to cover various aspects of what a selfless servant does and what are some attributes of being a selfless servant. And today we're going to start with the idea of sharing the love of Jesus with others. We're going to talk about becoming a bold witness for Christ. Because we know what God wants. We, we know God's heart, right? For God so loved the whole world. And He isn't willing that any should perish, is what my Bible tells me. And He gives us a command to go into all the world and to make disciples. I think we get the idea of what God wants. And so I want to lock into His plan for the world. And I want to be a faithful, obedient, bold witness for Him. So I, I want to kind of set the backstory a little bit for what we're going to discuss in Scripture today. Uh, I think everybody in the room probably knows that Jesus had a, a rather ragtag bag of misfits called His disciples. They, these were folks that others had rejected. Uh, that They weren't following any other uh, rabbis. In that day, you, you had a period of time where you could learn things and memorize things, and then the best of the best got selected to follow rabbis. You applied for it. And those that didn't get selected got sent back to do the family business. And Jesus went out to the people who had been passed over, who were working in their father's businesses, and here he comes and he says, come follow me. I want to teach you some things. I want to help you fish for men and women. And Jesus had been doing on-the-job training and instruction and investing in these guys for three years. They got the inside scoop on Jesus' mission and ministry, what he was wanting to accomplish, what the Father was all about. They had a backstage pass and a front row seat to watch Jesus work. They were given all access to him. And oftentimes, Jesus would preach, and then he'd bring them all together, and he'd say, now here's what I want you to know. This, this is what I meant, and this is what I was teaching. They may not understand it, but I want you to have full and clear knowledge. They were given a, a prime security clearance. Uh, at, at Worship at the Water, I almost said, who in the crowd today has a security clearance? And I was like, man, I'm going to get them all killed. That's not good. So, so I'm not going to say that here today. But the bottom line is, they knew what Jesus wanted. They understood what Jesus was about. He, he didn't withhold his plan. He was very, very clear and very open with them. So after Jesus dies on the cross and he is buried... What would you expect the disciples to be doing three days later? I don't know about you, but I would kind of expect that if I had given them a plan and I had told them, you are the plan and, and here's what the Father wants, I'd think that they would just be out there continuing the plan, that they would be working the mission and the ministry, right? But what do we find them doing? John chapter 20 verse 19 tells us what they were doing. That Sunday evening, that third day, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Jesus had told them the plan. Guys, I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be dead. They're going to put me in the ground, but I will rise again. But I want you to keep on keeping on. And he did this several times. But what were they doing? Continuing the mission? No. There they were in the upper room cowering in fear behind locked doors because they were afraid. 
And in the midst of their fear and in the midst of their uncertainty, Jesus shows up. How many of you have ever had a moment where you have been very fearful and, and life has been very chaotic and you were, were in the midst of your anxieties and it just didn't look very hopeful and suddenly Jesus showed up? Don't you love it when suddenly Jesus appears? That, that he doesn't knock at the door, he just shows up. And here he is and the disciples are, are just beside themselves with fear and there was Jesus. And what's his first word? peace. Don't get all worked up, guys. This is all going according to plan. It's all fitting into the grand scheme of things. Peace, guys. And suddenly, these guys go from being timid and afraid, self-centered, to being bold and courageous and evangelistic in a moment. One moment, the men and women of God are hiding behind locked doors, and the next minute, they're out there preaching in the streets with boldness. And after this is happening, Acts tells us that the religious leaders arrested them and put them in jail, and yet these, these followers of Jesus keep on preaching. They're, they're not detoured. They're not dissuaded. Even when they're put in prison, they, they keep preaching. There's just boldness there. And a high priest, a guy named Annas, the, the high priest, he says, you healed this guy. And, 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 and sometimes, I don't know about you, I, I like to have fun in my Bible time. Sometimes I supply voices that I think that the folks would, would sound like. And it just spices it up for me. Maybe it doesn't do that for you. Um, but, but I kind of, in this situation, I kind of think this guy may have sounded somewhat like a mafioso. You healed this guy, right? By, by what authority and what name did you do this? Maybe he didn't, okay? Maybe he didn't sound like that. Probably not. But, but I can see that this kind of authoritarian, this, this boss aspect coming out. And Peter doesn't shiver or shudder. He just says, and, and this is the same Peter you remember who had boldly denied Christ several days before. I mean, like maybe weeks before. Boldly denied him. And now here he is, he's preaching boldly. And Peter, in the face of this question, says, Rulers and elders of the people, are we being questioned today because of what we've done, this good deed we've done for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus, who you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Boom! I mean, it's almost like Peter got done and he drops the mic and he walks back. Right? I mean, they think they're going to intimidate the guy, but he's like, I'll tell you what's up. And he tells them. And then it's just like, whoa. So what can we learn from this boldness? I mean, this bold denier of Jesus to this fearful, intimidated, somewhat follower of Jesus to now this emboldened, just powerhouse, this dynamite of a dude. What can we learn? I think there's a couple of principles that we can embrace about Peter's boldness. The first is this. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. And by this point in Jesus's, in, in Peter's life and in what he understood, he believed deeply in what Jesus had to say. He had heard all the teachings. He knew that Jesus preached with authority and power, 
But then he saw that Jesus had prophesied that I'm going to be crucified, I am going to die, and I'm going to be resurrected. And, and in the midst of his fear, Jesus shows up. He knows that he knows that he knows. He has a deep belief in this Jesus. And so he was bold. It's not like the belief and the boldness that we have down here in the South every time college football season kicks off where everybody in the conference thinks they're going to be number one at the end of it. They're going to take the national. No, it's not that kind of false bravado. No, you see, Peter knew what he believed. And he knew the truth and the authority of what Jesus had said. And so he speaks boldly because of that. But he also, I think we can learn to speak boldly based on what we've experienced personally. You know, when we've had a personal experience, you're bold about it, aren't you? Somebody be telling you, you're wrong. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not wrong. I, I've lived through that, and I think that's what Peter did. When, when folks were trying to intimidate him, he's like, you know what? You don't know who I was before I met Jesus at the time that he stepped into my boat. You don't know what was going on in my life. You don't know the path that I was trodden. But I do know this. My experience with Jesus is he took me from this person and he's made me this person. I've got an experience. And I've seen the resurrection power of God firsthand. And I've watched him do miraculous in me. And I've watched God do the miraculous in him. And so not only do I believe it deeply, but I've experienced it personally. How about you? I mean, that's, that's why the commercials stopped using scientists and paid spokespersons to sell Tide back in the day. And they switched to satisfied housewives because of their personal experience that when they did laundry, grass stain was lifted and blood was removed and the pasta sauce was no longer staining their child's shirt. Can I get a witness, church? You are bold in what you know and have experienced personally, right? But also we speak boldly about what we love passionately. And I think we can all understand and learn something from Peter. Jesus selected him and he walked with Jesus. And then when the chips were down, what happens? He denies him. He lets him down. And yet, after the resurrection, here is Jesus fixing breakfast on a shoreline. He's like, guys, throw down your nets and, and bring all that in and let's cook up some more because you guys are hungry. And after breakfast, what happens? Jesus said, Peter, can we go for a walk? Peter, i got to know some things. Do you, do you love me? Because some of the things you've done recently may lead me to believe otherwise. But I need you to tell me what, what's going on in your heart. Oh, Jesus, you know I love you. Three times he asked him the question, Peter, do you love me? Jesus, you know I love you. I think he was setting him up for this moment that when here he is in, in the midst of being on trial, that not only is it that he believes it deeply, not only has he experienced the power of God personally, but that he has a, had a love experience with Jesus and now he loves him passionately and he's got to tell somebody. He's got to speak it. Makes me wonder, if we're not speaking boldly about our faith in Jesus, we've got to ask ourselves, is it because we really don't believe it deeply? Or is it because we've not truly experienced it personally? And has Jesus become altogether lovely in our eyes and in our hearts? and in, in, in our, He's our all in all and we love him passionately.
You see, I think it follows that when you, you believe deeply and experience personally and love passionately, boldness and speaking boldly just flows out of that. See, some folks have said, man, you talk about your kids and your wife a lot in your sermons. I love them passionately. But I also have seen the power of God at work in our family. And I've experienced miraculous things. I'm going to brag on, not my family, I'm going to brag on what God has done to bless me with my family. So when the disciples in the scriptures are challenged, and Peter responds to the question with boldness, and it's almost like in Acts 4.12, it's almost like he doubles down on his previous statement. He said, listen guys, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. In verse 13, I almost get a sense that maybe the authorities either rock back in their chairs or they step back and maybe do the, hmm. Because the Bible says the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were just ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. And they recognized them as having been with Jesus. They were amazed at their boldness. Here's a question for you today. Those of you who are Christians, how many times have you amazed other people by your boldness for Him? I don't know about you, but I know there's a lot of room for improvement in the area of my boldness. So how do we increase it? How can we grow increasingly bolder in our faith, in our witness. Well, the first thing we can do is is what we've just discovered there in in the Scripture that I just read. We need to spend time with Jesus, and we need to spend more time with Jesus, and we need to spend more time with Jesus than we do with the world and influences that are going to taint the picture. What, What does the Bible say? Do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? It means we're praying and we're listening to God and we're in communication with Him and we're reading His Word. And not only are we in the Word, but we're allowing the Word to get inside of us and we're acting on it. And and day after day as we're spending this time with Jesus, we are becoming more and more like Him. You get it? We become more and more like Him. You look at Acts 4.13, they were amazed by the disciples' boldness for they could see that these were just ordinary men with no training in the Scriptures. Just like me and you, just just ordinary people. They, They hadn't been to seminary. They hadn't had all the deep religious training, but they were displaying a depth of knowledge and insight and confidence just like Jesus did when the people said, who is this who preaches with power and authority? Well, their time with Jesus had paid off. He had rubbed off on them. And all of a sudden, they are reflecting their master. Their words are now just oozing his presence and his power and his truth. And the world sat up and took notice. See, when we spend time in God's word and allow it to renew our minds, and when we pray and we listen to God, it adjusts our attitudes and it takes us from being selfish to selfless. It moves us from being timid to being bold. It moves us away from being like the world toward being like 
Jesus. And our divine confidence, not self-confidence, but our divine confidence grows. That God is with me. And that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that His Spirit is going to guide me. And suddenly I start feeling a boldness not based on what I can do or what I have, but because I'm with Him and I'm leaning into what He can do and what He has. I don't care what others think about me or feel about me or may do to me because it's not about me, it's all about Him. So when a faith-sharing opportunity arises... I don't have to ignore it and pray that it goes away. I can step up to it in the power and the authority of Jesus' name. And I can speak and I can love and I can serve and I can act because I know God would want me to interact with that person in a kingdom encounter. And when I do it, wow, that wasn't so bad. Wow, they actually listened to what I had to say. Maybe, just maybe, They come away with, can I go with you to church, this church that you've invited? And you get more and more emboldened. Or or listen, if you ever lead someone to Jesus, it's over. Man, it'll light something in your heart, even if your wood's wet. I mean, bottom line is, it's going to make you want to do it over and over and over again. It's going to increase your faith. And so I grow bolder, and as I do it again, I grow bolder and bolder. See, the disciples, they were just ordinary, everyday, rejected, ragtag people who grew closer to Jesus simply by spending time with Him. The second thing we can do to increase our faith and increase our boldness is to ask God to make you bold. Well, there's a novel idea coming out of a month-long emphasis on prayer. God, I thank you that you are a creator, but I also thank you, God, that you're a redeemer, that you have redeemed me. And Lord, I want there to be more people in in heaven. I want the family to grow and enlarge. And so, God, would you give me boldness so that others may come to know the love and the forgiveness that I've found? That's the formula we've been talking through the last month, isn't it? Thanking God and making a a request, a specific request with a specific outcome that is God-honoring and tied to His will. And what we've seen is God answers prayer. He answers our prayer. And He will definitely answer the prayer if we pray for boldness. Now, I want you to see something. When the religious leaders told the disciples to stop preaching and teaching in Jesus' name, they had, they had gotten to a place where they were just tired of it. Guys, we've thrown you in jail. We've put you in prison. We, we've mistreated you. You're going to stop this or else. Parents, you ever done that to your children? You, you just sit wits in. You don't know what to threaten them with, so you just, or else. It's kind of the sense I get in Scripture. Stop preaching in His name. Stop teaching in His name. We're threatening you. You, you should be very intimidated right now. But Acts 4.29 says... Here's what the disciples do. Do they go back and cower in fear and lock the door? No. They go to a prayer meeting. And we find them doing this. And now, O Lord, hear their threats. And give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. It's not a, oh God, keep us safe kind of prayer. Or God, give us your protection. Or God, could you just send us to another location where it would be a little easier to preach? No. 
None of that. It's just, God, this is the, the situation we face. Make us bolder. Give us more boldness. As they're threatening us, God, may we be faithful, not selfish. Because they knew Jesus. And they knew what Jesus said. Don't, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body because they can't touch your soul. Fear God only. They wanted to obey God and please Him. Because I feel like down deep in their heart, they know and they knew because they had talked with Jesus so much. They knew that when this life is over, people are going to live for eternity somewhere. And that they're either going to live in the presence of Almighty God in heaven or they're going to be abandoned to the horrors of punishment in hell. Now, I've never been a big fan of hellfire and brimstone preaching where you try to scare folks into heaven. That's just not my style. It's just not where I am. I think you succeed far more when you try to lead, love people out of hell and, and, and lead them into heaven. But that's just me. But, but I'm not going to be faithful and true to Scripture without telling you that there is a real place that the Bible calls hell and that it is a real place of torment and anguish where people will be eternally separated from God the Father and His goodness. And we have no concept of what that's going to be like because we've always been kind of like palm olive. We're soaking in it. Even when we've not accepted Jesus, we, we have God's presence in this world and the Holy Spirit's covering, bringing grace upon grace. We don't know what it's like to be apart from God and, and separated from Him. It's almost like you can't have any concept of cold without the presence of heat because that's what cold is, right? The absence of heat. And, and so that's basically the difference between heaven and hell. Heaven is where God is and hell is the place where God is not. That, that, that's the bottom line. And you don't want to be where God isn't at. I can tell you that. Our minds cannot fathom and words cannot convey the horrible realities of such a place. But the good news is there's another place. And our minds can't grasp the glory of it and words cannot dis display the splendor of it. The dwelling place of God and His people who have accepted Christ who call heaven home. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, No eye has seen and no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. John had a vision about it in Revelation 21. I think it's in your outline. If not, I hope that you'll just go to your scriptures today and read Revelation 21 and get an idea. Try to wrap your mind around this beautiful place called glory. And then because of that, Understand, we don't want anybody to miss it. So ask God to help you be a bold witness because somebody's eternity may be hanging in the balance whether we are a bold witness, testifier, somebody that gives a faith share about the hope we have in us. Did I, did I say that right? Let me give it another shot. Eternity may be hanging in the balance for someone else based on whether we are bold or not and share our faith or not. I don't want that. I want to be bold. And I want to take advantage of every opportunity that comes my way to tell people about Jesus and the glories of heaven. And then lastly, to increase our boldness, we must embrace the filling of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what it is, 
But the Holy Spirit is the most maligned person of the Trinity. The most misunderstood, the most misrepresented, the most feared person of the Trinity. But I want to tell you something. The difference between the disciples who locked themselves in an upper room because of fear are the same disciples who were preaching the word with boldness in the public streets. And the only difference between those two situations was the presence of the Holy Spirit. You go back to John's gospel. You read the words in chapter 20, verses 21 and 22. Jesus, again, he's, he's in the midst of their fear. He's behind the locked doors. He's telling them, peace be with you. And then he says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, Jesus' promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And the scripture goes on to say, and they walked out into the street and these tongues that they were now speaking were actually the languages of people that had come from all over the world. And they were hearing God speak to them in their native tongue, in their heart language. And God moved that day and thousands were added into the kingdom because of their boldness. And then that's why we find a commentary in, in chapter 4, verse 8, that gives additional insight to why Peter was so bold. The Bible says, Then Peter, underline this, filled with the Holy Spirit, said what he had to say. You see, folks, you cannot achieve boldness without the power of the Holy Spirit. Even in Jesus' life, nothing significant occurred until after the Spirit descended upon him at his baptism. Go look it up. Nothing. Nothing happened in Jesus' life or ministry that was earth-shattering and God just kingdom eternity shifting and shaking until after he was baptized by the Holy Spirit. The miracles didn't happen until after the Holy Spirit fell. The teaching with power and authority didn't happen until... That happened. Everything happened in Jesus' life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to be faithful followers of Jesus, the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead must quicken our mortal bodies and give us boldness. You know what Jesus told his disciples? Listen, wait here, guys, in this upper room until the Holy Spirit that I'm sending falls upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Guys, you want boldness? Wait for the Spirit. And when the Spirit falls on you, you will have power and you will become not the timid guys in the upper room, but you will become bold followers of me, men and women after my own heart with a message because you believe it deeply. You've experienced it personally, and you love me passionately. See, a timid, fearful faith won't reach a lost and hurting world. But a bold, not brash, and faithful church can turn the world upside down. I, I, I want to be a faithful follower, a selfless follower of Jesus by being bold in my witness for him. 
Today as we come to this table to receive Christ anew and afresh, I pray that you will just spend some time with Him, sitting at His feet in this moment. That you would embrace the infilling of His Holy Spirit in your life. And that maybe, just maybe, you would ask Him to increase your level of boldness so that the world may know who He is and they come to receive it for themselves. I'm going to invite those that are assisting in communion to come and to be served first and to, to take care of that business. But, but I want to explain some things to you. This is not the Methodist table. This is not the Woodlawn Supper. That, that's out in the parking lot. And pick up your stuff if you ordered. But, but this is God's meal. This is the Lord's table. And all are welcome here. You don't have to be a member of this church or this denomination to be welcomed here at this table. All you need to do is have your heart right with Jesus and be willing to come and receive what He wants to do in you and through you. We're going to take this communion and we're going to ask that God would, would take this bread and this cup and make us bold. That we could go out into this world as His body, redeemed by His blood, to make a difference, an eternal difference in the lives of people we come in contact with. So would you pray with me as we take this matter to God? Oh God, I thank you that you knew what we needed. So you sent us Jesus. Jesus, thank you for giving us a pattern to follow. Thank you, God, for, for giving us tips on how to be a bold witness for you. That, that we need to spend time with you and that we can actually talk to the Heavenly Father about increasing our boldness. But God, you also said to avail ourselves to the Holy Spirit. So we want to do that today in this moment of communion. Walk amongst us. Change hearts and destinies. Change eternity for folks. Heal bodies. Restore relationships. Oh God, I pray that the miraculous would occur here so that we might be given boldness about taking this same message out there. So come and do your work and have your way. And we all pray this in the strong but gentle name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. As you come, there's an opportunity to not only take the meal, but to leave some money. It's not for you to pay for. Jesus paid for it. But it's a way for us to give meals to those that have fallen on hard times. I think you know that by now. Your generosity has supplied thousands of dollars in groceries to a whole lot of people on the beach. And we want to continue that. So as you come, just know that's available to you at this time. So let's turn to God and follow Him as He leads us.
I, I, I know that this is not my cue, but somebody here, the goodness of God has been running after you, and today is your day. Don't leave. Come and submit. Come today. I, pray with me. Pray with one of our prayers. Today is the day for somebody. And I'm speaking this boldly because I'm interrupting a very important thing. But somebody here, you need to say yes to Jesus. Because you're not so sure you believe it deeply. And it's because you've not experienced it personally yet. But when it happens, you will love Jesus passionately. And I promise you, I promise you, the devil is going to do everything to keep you from this moment. Don't let it happen. God is running after you. Don't run away from him. Receive that in Jesus' name.
few announcements. We've got uh, the Comedy Night with Steve Geyer coming up next Sunday. It's in your bulletin, and so you won't want to miss that event. He is very funny, and, and it's just the beginning of some things that we've got coming up um, to help us continue in our growth pattern. It's just not a throwaway night. It's good comedy with a purpose. And then also, CR, our wonderful ministry, celebrates 10 years. So Thursday night, you're invited. If you're a former uh, CR participant, come back and see how God has continued to bless. If you've never been, this would be a great night to just show up and see the good things, the goodness of God. And so uh, if you've ordered barbecue, it's in the parking lot waiting for you. But I pray that the Holy Spirit would fall upon you and that you would have a deep encounter with Jesus, a personal encounter with Him that you would become deeply convinced, that you would ask God for boldness so that when you leave this place, you will be bold witnesses to expand God's kingdom because that's His heart. Be blessed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen and amen. Go be the church. Go be the church.